Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Alright, so we continue with our subject on the unpardonable sin. This is part number four. The unpardonable sin. This is part number four. Alright, so again, um, let's look at the book of Mark chapter 3, verse 28 to 29. Mark 3, 28 to 29. And then we take it from there. Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto men, to sons of men, and blasphemy where we soever they shall blaspheme. That's the key that we need from there. Hallelujah. Amen. And then if you read the next thing that follows, and it says, But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost have never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. And these are the things that we are actually looking at. And we need to find out more things about this. Uh, we're going to tonight be able to discover precisely who Jesus was addressing. And we already know why he was addressing them in this context. And so we're going to be discovering that tonight, principally. Uh, but again, First Thessalonians chapter 2, look at this, 15 to 16. Book of First Thessalonians chapter 2, 15 to 16. Who bore the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us and the pleased not God and are contrary to all men. Now here he's talking about the Jews again. Amen? All right. And so what's the next thing? Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath of God is come upon them to the uttermost. The wrath of God is come upon them to the uttermost. And this is critical for us to understand. Uh, here we are seeing that he's dealing with the Jews. Uh, the attitude towards the things of the gospel of God, uh, the attitude towards um, all that embraces that which is the gospel and uh, knowing fully well again that they were the people that actually stood to crucify Jesus. Amen. And so now in turn again, even in relation to the gospel, they will not allow you to go forth. So Paul is speaking here to the Thessalonian church. Okay, let's begin to look again to some of the things that Jesus said to these people because of their attitude, because of their character towards the gospel, towards himself, towards his body. And um, the kind of lamentation that he had for them because of this attitude. Amen. So let's go down to Matthew 23 verse 27, reading down. Matthew 23, 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye like unto white of sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead man's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. And say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourself, 
that you are children of the of them which killed the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Verse 34 say, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scald in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come. There's a point. All the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And I want you to know that. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killed the prophets and stoned them which are sent unto thee, how often will I have gathered thy children together, even as a hand gathered her cheeks on her wings, and ye will not. Praise the living God. Now why was Jesus saying all of this thing to the Jews? Now I want you to see the kind of, I don't know if I call it a rebuke now, but the strength of the statement that he passed on to them, like what we find in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Yeah, he's telling them again, this is your portion. You think, oh, well, if I were in the days of my fathers, we would not have killed the prophets, but you just fill up the portion or the measure of the prophet, because that's exactly what you're doing. What your father did is the same thing that we're doing. Praise the living God. And for that sake, the righteous blood of Abel, the blood of Abel, right through Zachariah down to this present age shall be found in your hand. Praise the Lord. The repose the operation of God by his spirit on their behalf. Jesus said to this unrepentant chief priests, abbots and Pharisees. Now, I want you to understand, if you look at the statement of Jesus, he addressed the Pharisees, he addressed the scribes. Did you notice that? And I tried to make you understand last week, in Mighty 12, that was the Pharisees. In Mark 3, that was the scribes. In Mighty 12, the Pharisees rebuffed the power with which he was healing, and they called it the spirit of Bezebub. And then in Mark 12, I mean Mark 3, the scribes came up with the same accusation. So they were the two categories of people that were more or less repulsing everything that Jesus was trying to do or whatever the Holy Spirit was trying to do. Praise the living God. Alright. Now, look at Matthew 21 verse 43. Matthew 21 verse number 43. And it said, Therefore, Say, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruit thereof. Amen. Hallelujah. So, here you find that Jesus was trying to make them understand that because you continue to repulse the power of the Holy Spirit, you continue to resist what God is doing. Now, I tried to make you understand last week that the Holy Spirit comes in to create. And every new season that the Holy Spirit comes through or is bringing forth is better by repentance. You remember that? Right. And then he initiated the new move. He initiated the new season at a particular time. And so here they are repulsing the Holy Spirit. That means a new season that was to come, they can be partakers of it. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Now there is something I want you to understand. When he made this statement to them, imagine 23. There is always a preparation for every individual, a time of preparation for every individual, every nation, every city to hear God's word before any other thing happens. Hallelujah. Are you done with me? Before the Holy Spirit ever brings a new move or coming to a people or even through you unto you, there's always a preparation time. Now, when you harden your heart against that preparation time, you won't be able to hear what God is saying and you can partake of the new season. Hallelujah. And everything the Holy Spirit does in this context, when He prepares your heart and you receive it, it is a position where He takes you closer to God in terms of relationship. It brings you to God in terms of relationship. So to build a relationship between you and God, the Holy Spirit first prepared your mind to hear what He has to do in the next season and it draws you to Himself. So here God has been speaking to the Israelites, to the Jews in particular, to be able to get them back to God. And that's why Jesus was beginning to say what he was saying in Matthew 23. Had you had in their heart, woe unto you, hypocrites, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. You know, you begin to hear other languages, and the next thing he said, have desire to gather you as a hen who gather her chicks. You understand that? By implication, if you ought to understand what is about to happen, you will definitely run towards me and you run towards God and you get protection because something was about to happen as we're going to see. Praise the Lord. And that time that God prepares your heart to hear what he has to say is called a time of visitation. Amen. Praise the Lord. That very moment that he tries to prepare your heart so that you can hear the word and get you ready to have that relationship built between you and God for the next move that he wants to make, that period of time is called the time of visitation. So, we look at Luke 19 verse 41. Luke 19 verse 41. And when... He was come near him. He beheld the city and wept over it. What city now? City of Jerusalem, right? Good. Verse 42 says, Saying, If thou had known, even thou, at least, in thy day, the things which belongeth unto your peace, but now they are hid from the eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that an enemy shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round about and keep thee in on every side and they shall they even with the ground and thy children within thee and thou shalt not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knowest not what the time of 
that visitation. Did you get that? No. So the time of visitation is a time that God opens you up to reality of certain things which you do not know and what he intends to do. It's a season where your heart is prepared to receive the word of God. So when you miss your time of visitation, the defense of God is taken away from you and the calamity that is coming, you have no option but to partake of it. So here Jesus was weeping over them just like you find in Matthew 23. If only you have listened to what I'm saying. If you only have hacking to what I'm saying. If only you can take this word to heart that I'm sharing with you. Then the calamity or the problem that is coming will be averted. But you miss your time of visitation. Now everything was telling them this Luke 19. You look at from the top just read now. He's trying to make them understand People are going to come, compass you about, head you in. You won't be able to come out, your children, everybody. It's like a very terrible time was going to happen to Israel. Why? Because they missed that time of visitation. And like I said before, the time of visitation is that hour that God will be speaking to you. If I may use the word, he will worry you. Opening up your heart, opening up your ears to hear what he has to say so that the activities of the Holy Spirit will take place in your life. But once you miss your time of visitation, that's very important. I really have to emphasize this. Like I told you before, there's a time of visitation for individuals, for cities, and for nations. Once you miss that time, expect the next thing is going to be issues that you probably will not be able to handle. Praise the living God. Are you with me? You come to a place in your life where it's not difficult for you to make progress. In fact, it's like you open up the door for the enemy to come into your life to feast on you. Once you miss the time of visitation. So the Jews miss their time of visitation. So what next was it going to be? The Roman soldiers coming into the city. To destroy everything. And that's what Jesus was telling them. In the days of Jesus. Jerusalem was the headquarters of God's most favorite nation. The house of Judah. It was the, the center of all religions. Government and leadership. Of that particular time. Or day. It was the center of religious instruction. I'm talking about the days of Jesus. When he was born. Amen. You must realize that every Sabbath they were reading the laws in the temple. Remember that? Glory to God. If you look at a practical example of Luke 16, Lazarus and the rich man. You know, you come to the place where we are told Lazarus, I mean the rich man was saying, send Lazarus. Remember that? To go tell my five brothers so that they don't come into this place. What was the reply that Abraham gave to him? He said, even if one should rise from the dead, they will not see, repent, or believe. Let them read the law and the prophet. Now, you must understand that that parable of Lazarus and the rich man was actually about Jesus Christ and the Pharisees. Who believe that 
Abraham is your father. And Jesus is saying, I'm from the bosom of Abraham, who is God, our father. So when he was saying, go tell my five brothers. Maybe we're going to find time to deal with that. But you know, it's right here on the website. Who is Lazarus, who is Rishman, who are the five brothers? The five brothers are dwelling in the house of Judah, the sons of Jacob. You have five children for, uh, for Jacob. No, we don't to go into that. But what I want you to know this is that read the law and the prophets. For even once you rise from the dead, they will not say believe. What is that supposed to mean? Even if I, in the time of my resurrection, that is to say, they will not still believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what he was trying to tell them. Are you with me? Even if one rises from the grave, they will not still believe. The implication is, even when Jesus rose from the grave, they still could not believe. Remember that? But they have the Lord and the prophets. So he was trying to tell them here. Every Sabbath, remember, they would read law and the prophets in the temple. Including the promises of the coming of the Messiah. The salvation of the kingdom of God. They will read all of these things. From the Psalms, from the law, from the prophets. However, with all those reading, teaching, there were very few in the whole city who believe in the prophetic word of the Lord. And trusted for his fulfillment. Just few. Even though they will read this every Sabbath. Are you following what I'm saying now? And they have to come in time when Jesus approached the city now. And what was the next thing that they did? He looked at the city, looked at the activities on the people, the noisy streets, and the next thing he did was to weep over the city. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How have I decided? Are you getting that now? Right. In other words, with all the readings of the law, all of the study of the prophet, you ought to know when the Messiah showed up. But that you have been able not to comprehend. With the midst of all the miracles performing, everything that points to the Messiah I've revealed to you. But yet, praise the Lord. So, they missed their time of visitation because they rejected the privilege of their receiving the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing they faced was what? Destruction. In the midst of the law, that is to tell you, coming to church is not enough. Hearing the word preached to you is not enough. You must understand something that sometimes when God begins to speak, He's bringing forth instruction, He's trying to open your ears and your understanding so that you can receive instruction as against the new move of God by the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So, all the laws and the prophets, and then even the coming of Jesus and all of the parables and the sermon that He was giving out to the people, was supposed to prepare the heart of these people. So that they can actually begin to receive what the Holy Spirit will bring forth. That I might be partaker of the new season, which is ushering in of the kingdom of God in the new season. But the heart was hardened against all of those things. Though they read the prophet, they read the law, read the psalm every Sabbath on the Sabbath day, Jesus came speaking. They won't still believe any of these things because they hardened their heart against the Holy Spirit. Praise the living God. So this kind of horrible blindness, if I may use the word, of not recognizing the time of God's visitation, when God is visiting you, showing himself gracious towards you, when you miss that move, you end up in that which is called judgment. 
Is that okay? That's why you must not blind your heart against God's instruction. Because that's the only opportunity the Lord prepares you. Like I told you in the very beginning, God have a time of visitation for individuals, for cities, and I would say for churches, local churches, and for nations. There's always a time of visitation. When God begins to speak certain things to you, to your spirit, to the hearing of your mind, you know that God has come to visit you. And one thing that God does in regards to that, when He visits you and you open up and you begin to receive instruction, the next thing is He draws you closer to Himself. That's a hand gathering her cheeks unto herself. This is what the Holy Spirit does when He draws you close to Himself because you understand the time of your visitation. So anytime God is speaking to you in specific language, you just know that He has something He wants to do in the next season. Of your life. That's where you don't harden your heart. Praise the living God. So here we have. When this visitation come. There are kind of deep inner revelation of the spirit. To you. In terms of wisdom. And kindness. When visitation of God comes. It's a time of deep revelation. By the Holy Spirit. To you. And the manifold manifestation. Of his kindness and mercy. That is why to miss the time of God's visitation is dangerous. Whether you be an individual, a church, corporate church like we are here, local assemblies, nations, once you miss your time of visitation, you are in for trouble. Praise the living God. So here at Jerusalem, this regarded God's world and rejected the move of the Holy Spirit and so refused the power of the kingdom of God. The Lord had no alternative but to weave over this city for having rejected their time of visitation. And the next thing that will come is what? Judgment. Did you get that? Praise the living God. Let's read this again. Go back a little bit to 19. What about uh, 42? We started on 42, I'm sorry. Okay. Saying, if thou hast known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are here from the eyes. On the next scene. For the day shall come upon thee. And thy enemy shall cast a trench about thee. And compass thee round about. And keep thee on on every side. And what's the next scene? And shall lay thee upon with ground. And thy children within thee. And they shall not live in thee one stone upon another. Because thou knowest not what? The time of that visitation. And this is talking about the judgment that came in AD 70 by the Roman soldiers. Are you there with me? So, go with me to Acts chapter 1 verse number 1. I told you we're going to be discovering a few things this evening as we progress in this subject. Acts verse 1, chapter 1 verse 1. Bible said, The former treaties have I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Hallelujah. Oh, you have to understand this that Jesus, as it were, was the firstborn son of the Father. And right in the midst of Jerusalem, he demonstrated the signs, wonders, and miracles. And this, like I said before, was supposed to be enough evidence. Remember? 
enough evidence to prove that this is the Messiah they were looking for. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we come to a place where this same thing that are happening, as we go to the next, maybe next week, I'm going to make you see the fool. You'll be able to see that. If Jesus was the firstborn son, it means that there are other sons that are coming up in the family. Are you with me? Meaning the science, wonders, and miracle that he performed, other sons are also going to perform those things. Hallelujah. Because it's a firstborn son among many brethren. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Verse 18 to 19. I was sharing a few things with my wife when this thing was coming to my mind and I was, I was just meditating. As a matter of fact, I was lost. She was asking me, what are you looking at? I said, oh, so I don't know. But I was thinking, don't were there, but I was not there. A lot of things were coming to my mind. I begin to see what Jesus was talking about. I begin to see where he's taking us to. I begin to see the reality of the fact that when the scripture say, Blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord, it's not no one man, you're talking about a whole body of people. Romans 8 19, I mean 18, it says, For I reckon that the sovereign of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed where? In us. The glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. What's the next thing you see there? For the NX expectation of the creation waited for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. Praise the Lord. It's important when we read passages like this, we think deep, we meditate, and we anticipate. There should be an expectation. Hallelujah. Now, like when I was sharing with my wife, he asked me the question. I said, Well, what time is it going to be, my dear? I said, I don't really know. Because you see, even when Pentecost was to come, Jesus told them, Just tarry in the city of Jerusalem until be a deal with power. And when they asked him, Acts chapter 1, where would that be? He said, It is not for you to know the time of the season. Just go hang on and wait. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? You see, when we talk about metamorphosis, when the, the butterfly changes from the maggot to a butterfly, you can't ask the butterfly when it's going to happen. The butterfly will tell you, I don't know. So what are you busy doing now? Eating the leaves. But the time comes when that same butterfly, I mean that maggot, whatever, becomes what? A butterfly, wings comes out, begin to fly. He doesn't know how, but that is the way it's in program. And there is something on the head of the butterfly that's turned upside down that actually responsible for the transformation of the butterfly from that egg state, that maggot state, towards to the butterfly state. It's from the head of that butterfly. There is something in you that produces the transformation. And that's what he called the glory that shall be revealed within us. Are you with me? So just as the butterfly keeps on eating leaves, not knowing when it will become a butterfly, that is the only thing I'm telling you. Keep on eating the word, which is the leaf now. What is the leaf that you are supposed to be eating? The word of God. 
Take in the world, digest the world, meditate on the world, get lost in the world. You don't know what's happening within. But one day, there comes the transformation. The time and the season, we don't know. The hour, we don't understand. But we know that the reality of the word of God, creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And it's going to come to pass. Hallelujah. Go with me to the book of Ephesians 1, 17. Ephesians 1, 17. First of all, just take verse 1 and 2, then go to 17. 1 and 2. Paul and Apostle, I mean Ephesians, okay. I wanted to read verse 2, but let's take this one. Paul and Apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are Ephesians and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord who? Jesus Christ. Now go to verse 16. Let's take it from verse 16 now. Cease not to give thanks for you. Paul is speaking. Making mention of you in my prayers. Verse 17. What is the prayer? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of what? Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him. Not something else. Knowledge of him. I once mentioned it sometime. Three years ago, I was in South Africa after meetings, and they were dropping me at the airport from Social Gouver. And the guy began to say, Pastor, I'm so impressed with your teaching. I'm so impressed with uh, but you see, I have one book I'm reading now. Um, I don't know what you think about it. I said, What is that? He said, The book is about the depth of Satan. What? Is that the book you're reading? The depth of Satan? I said, What do you know about Christ? You have not even finished knowing Christ. You don't even understand who Christ is. You spend time to read the depth of Satan. So that you become like Satan or what? You should know about God and about Christ. You haven't even been able to finish the mysteries of Christ. You're spending your money to buy books about the depth of Satan. What time wasting? Energy wasting? Money wasting? And Paul is praying here, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the same. The glory of the inheritance where? In the saints. In the saints. Not outside of the saints, but in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us? Who believed according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. Listen closely. The power which he wrought in Christ. When he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion, and every name that is named, oh my goodness, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Every power, dominion, authority, the name that's above every other name, you set up together, sitting together with him, above all of these names. If he has authority over them, you have authority over them. There shouldn't be anything controlling your thought or mind. There shouldn't be anything driving you. No. 
You are sitting together with him in heavenly places and you have been raised. Now get the point right. He said the power that raised him from the dead. That same power is now within you. So you should try to know this. You should try to understand this. That's the prayer of Paul. If only you can understand the energy that is now locked up in your life. That same thing that picked up Christ from the grave is now resident in your life. And you see, he took him from the grave, caused him to sit above principalities and powers. He's saying the same thing to you. He can lift you to the same level because Ephesians 2, verse 17 tells us the same thing. That we are sitting together with you we are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 22. And I put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Praise the living God. Can we take verse 20 from Message Translation? Message Translation, verse 20. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heavens. In charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxy to government. No name and no power exempted from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forevermore. Glory to God. Well, look at the next thing. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. And I like that. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. Amen. Now what's the next thing? The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and out, by which he feels everything will God, which is presence. Through the church, through you and I, he feels all things with his presence. Now we have not yet seen this, but we know it's coming to pass. And so may your eyes be open to this thing. That's Paul's prayer. I wish you can understand what God wants to do through you. Oh, come on. Praise the living God. I want to begin to think that the heavens, they're all, I mean, in a great time of rejoicing, awaiting the breaking forth of the sons of God. Things happening in the spirit realm that we least have no understanding about. No clue as to what was going on right now in the spirit realm. I perceive that heaven is rejoicing because the sons of God are going to arise upon the face of this earth. Just like the declaration when the angels came singing to the shepherd about the birth of Jesus, so also shall it be that a great revival taking place in the heaven because sons of God are going to come out of the grave. We are in the graveyard of humanity, but we're going to arise. Hallelujah. Amen. God is now moving. And it's making a choice of a people. I want to tell you that. Searching for the people who will follow him. To know him. To know his glorious and eternal reality which he have determined for the people. God is waiting to see such. He's looking all over the place. Whose heart are right and prepared with expectation of what is coming forward. What you don't expect you can get. Hallelujah. I will receive his visitation. We discover a new experience. 
taking place in their lives. Remember, there's a time of visitation. When he begins to speak, when he begins to give you certain instructions, there's a time of visitation. And if you can happen to that time, you can pay close attention to what he's saying, you're going to experience a great revival even within your spirit. A great move of God even within your being. Praise the living God. There are going to be definite experiences that we are supposed to have. Even as we begin to have this conversation. I mean, just like, you see, do you know the kind of joy you had when we were born again? The first time you received the birth of the Holy Spirit. Do you experience something? Do you, do you know how you felt? Hallelujah. Did you know the kind of experience? Let me tell you something. I remember when I was, when I nearly come into the faith and you see, sometimes the people, help me, Father, the people you actually yoke yourself with, they can either take you up or bring you down. I know the kind of literature I was reading. I know the focus I had. I know the experiences I was having. I remember one time, every, listen, every month, every month, because I was reading Hollow White, I was reading um, with this man. It's, it's also late now, but. That guy was so powerful in terms of fasting. He will teach you, oh man, you will know how to fast and you can fast and go through. For the first three days of the month, I don't eat normally. I was alone, so what happens? I just wash my pots. Once it is the last day of the month, I wash my pot. For the first three days, I don't eat. I remember one experience I had. After that fast like this, I was walking to school and I find that I was not touching the floor, but I was walking to school to teach. It was such a tremendous experience. I was walking, my feet were not touching the floor. I knew I was walking, but I was not touching the floor. The tarot that I was passing through. And I was singing such a song in my spirit and singing out loud. I never cared whether I was anybody. In fact, I couldn't even see whether there was anybody around me. It was such a tremendous experience. The joy of that experience and all of that things that were happening. Man, I'm telling you something. If you can remember or can come into that season of the visitation of God, the kind of experiences you have, the joy that will flood your spirit, no man can take from you. Praise the living God. Are you there? So I'm talking about when God will begin to come in, renew his own covenant with you, as sons, by reason of the fact that there was a time of visitation, and you hearken to what he has to say. Praise the Lord. This kind of experience is what I'm saying, or I'm calling the time of what? Visitation. Praise the living God. Are you with me? I believe strongly, reading from this Ephesians 1, that Christ will soon appear in his sons. Hallelujah. With full glory, majesty, and power of a divine life, there's going to be a manifestation of Christ in his people. He comes through his church. It's not floating from the atmosphere. It's not floating from the cloud. No! It's coming through a people. For through this church, he will express himself on the face of the earth. Praise the living God. Are we there? So it's important that we also try as much as possible to design the time of God's word visitation. It's very important because if you miss it, you miss it. Okay, so we're going to talk about 
what we similarly have here. The sin that has been called the unpardonable sin. We find that there is a sin against the Holy Spirit. But understand this. It's against the divine activity. I mentioned that last week. The force of God's creation towards one in the day of God's visitation. The time of God's visitation is when it comes to open your heart, prepare you for the next move of the Holy Spirit. So when you harden your heart against this move, it becomes a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You're rejecting God wooing you through the Holy Spirit to bring you closer to himself. You're rejecting the plans they have for you. And so you had in your ears, you had in your heart. You miss your time of visitation. Praise the living God. Are we done? It is something very, very great. I would say greater than what words can describe. The implication of hardening your heart against the Holy Spirit. Which is called now the time of visitation. Because you must understand, the Holy Spirit is the force of God's creation, is the finger of God. It is through the Holy Spirit that He will ever bring you the new move and a new season into your life. So when God begins to speak, you better pay close attention. Praise the living God. I will say a lot of multitude of people today, they are utterly blaspheming the power of the Holy Spirit because they are rejecting whatever God says. If blasphemy is rejection of the Holy Spirit, I am saying there are a lot of people are blaspheming the Holy Spirit today. Can you agree with me on that? Seriously. Amen? Men, women, all over the world, even those in the church, we are also blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Because so many of us reject the move of the Holy Spirit. We do reject the move of the Holy Spirit. When he begins to speak to us, when he begins to call us to himself, we reject what the Holy Spirit is saying. I had an encounter a few days ago because of a post that came up on, on Facebook, the one I did on the twinkling of an eye, I think part number four, no part two. This individual read it and was furious and said some crazy things. So I tried to respond. And I couldn't have enough control of myself anyway. But I just brought out some questions for him to answer. And I said, you are not educated enough to do exegesis on what I have posted of the things of the Spirit. But as soon as I said that, my heart pricked me that you are not supposed to say that. It's only because the scripture has not been opened to him like it has been opened to you. So I turned around and I went down to his messenger page and I sent a letter of apology. And he suddenly requested for my phone number and said, you humbled me. I never knew you were such a person. Another pastor that was along that just came, now I know the man I'm following is a good man. Just because of that apology. But that's not where I'm going to. Two days after, 
Because I was still thinking about the things that I keep seeing in the scriptures and how people respond to them. Two days after the Lord gave me a scripture, which I share with my wife, from verse 1 to 4 of that passage, I don't need to share that with you. I went through the scripture and it blew my mind. But everything God was saying was, be the son that you are, declare everything that I'm giving to you to declare and stand for the truth that you have. I'm telling you something. God is about to do something on the face of the earth. And he's raising a people who can make the declaration irrespective of whether people are going to believe it or not. Praise the Lord. We're going to continue to blow this trumpet of God's truth all over the world. With every opportunity that we have Praise the living God. You know the Romans, they got so much angry with everything about Jesus. They rejected the Holy Spirit. They came up to the point and said, man, let this man be killed. Even when Pilate said, let him go. No, we won't allow him to go. If you allow him to go, you're not a friend of Caesar. Pilate said, but this man is an innocent man. No, not at all. The trump of charges against him. It's blasphemy. He did this on the Sabbath. Everything they put together to make sure he was crucified. But guess what? This same man that he brought to this level of being crucified by the Romans, he turned around when he was to give up the ghost, looked up to heaven and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even though they have blasphemed the Holy Spirit by rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit, even though they've been able to put up trump of charges against Jesus, he turned around and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Where then is your pardonable sin? Are you listening to me? Was your sin forgiven or not? Listen. Of all the people that killed Jesus, nobody is going to hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is hard. Nobody is going to hell. Why? Because he prayed to say, Father, forgive them. I remember what he said. Father, I know you hear me all the time. So are you saying God never answered Jesus or is not going to answer Jesus? I'm telling you, all of them, both they blasphemed everything they've done, man, God has forgiven them. He forgave them completely. Are you still there with me? Praise the living God. <laughs> but remember once in whosoever speak against the Son of Man shall be forgiven. And he forgave them. His Father forgave them. Because remember that. If you sin against the son, he shall be forgiven. Did he say so? Yes. So, before he could tell the father to forgive them, he himself had forgiven them. So where is your sin? Hallelujah. Praise the living God. I want you to understand, when you read the scriptures, you take time to meditate. There's a place of reading through. There's also a place of meditating. So that you allow the spirit of God to bring some words to your mind. Praise the Lord.
Don't forget, whosoever the Son of Man set free is free indeed. Am I correct? So when he said forgive them, that means himself and forgiving them. Because he said, when you sin against the Son, you shall be forgiven. Now the blasphemy was against the Holy Spirit, rejection of the Son, crucifixion of the Son. No, no, no. Forgive them because I have forgiven them. Hallelujah. So, the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit runs deeper than the mere rejection of the Holy Spirit, which is part of what I'm going to make you see. It was not the attitude towards the unknown God, I mean the unseen God or the visible God in heaven. It was not the treatment of the of the God manifested as Son in the flesh. That is the issue. No, all of those ones forgiven. Are you talking with me? It was rather their reviling of God's spiritual energy, the energy force that will bring life to them. I remember President Pastor Gaspar was speaking with me in the office and he said, when I got back home, I started listening to this message and I began to meditate and I began to see something from what you are saying. Now, when Jesus made that statement, it was not a rebuke. He was only advising them. Whoever sinned against the Father shall be forgiven. Whoever sinned against the Son shall be forgiven. But if you sin against the Holy Spirit, you shall not be forgotten. So it's like saying, my brothers, this is the consequence of what you are trying to do. He wasn't quarreling with them. He was just trying to tell them, don't go that way. Because the consequence of what you are doing is so grievous. It was like an admonition. That's the revelation of God. And that is the truth. When you meditate, the Spirit begins to open some things to you to see. It was not a rebuke. It was not a quarrel. He said there was no war unto you. No. Are you there with me? If you sin against the Son, you forget. Sin against the Father. But sin against the Holy Spirit. So Pharisees, scribes, don't do that. You are going to hit a brick wall. There's a consequence for what you are doing. That's what he was telling them. It was an admonition. Are you saying that with me? Praise the Lord. So what is that? The utter rejection of the Holy Spirit and transforming activity towards them by the Spirit. Their rebellious response to the gracious actions and influence of God in mighty spiritual power as it tore the deepest cord within their soul was a reissue. God ministering to you, but you are resisting the ministration. God wooing you, but you are resisting the actions of the Holy Spirit. God's trying to build you up, but you are resisting the act. That is a problem. You may speak against the Holy Spirit, fine, but when it begins to walk in your inner man, and you are resisting the move, you are resisting the promptings of the Spirit, that's where the danger lies. Praise the living God. Are we still here? So I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Mighty chapter 12, 31 to 32. So I'm going to deal with that before we close for tonight. 
Neither in this world nor in the world to come. What's the meaning of that? Which wall is he talking about? In fact, that's the question my wife was asking me. Which wall is that? Hallelujah. But first of all, let's know this. Jesus said, all manner of sin is forgiven. Are we correct? Praise the Lord. Okay, that's very true. Okay. So now the question is, what is it that Jesus was looking at in this context when he used the word in the world to come? The age to come. Um, Sin against the Holy Spirit and not forgiven in this world, not in the world to come. So what is the meaning of that? The world war is the word eon. And eon is not talking about the globe. It's talking about age. Is that okay? I want you to know this. Let's read it from the Amplified Translation. Mighty 12, 32. Matthew 12, 32. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But whosoever speaks against the Spirit, the Holy One, will not be forgiven either in this world and age or in the world and age to come. Did you get that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So what is that supposed to mean? This is not talking about eternity. What was the wall that is first referenced here? Either in this wall or age or the world to come. Jesus was born under the law. So the two walls you see here was a war or the age of the law and the age of the Holy Ghost. That's all. Are you still there? So it's not talking about eternity. Let's look at it from the New International Version if you have that. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Did you get that? So what age was that? The age of the law, in which Jesus himself was born. And at the next age will be the age of grace. But let's know the following statement. I mean, Assertions or impute of the language of Jesus in those passages. First thing we need to note from that mighty 12 is that all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forbidden unto men. That's what Jesus said. Am I right? I'm trying to bring out the things he said, just summarizing the statement of Jesus. All right. Secondly, as unseen, those namely against the Holy, I mean, against the Son of Man can be forgiven in this present age. Thirdly, that other sins against the Holy Ghost cannot be forgiven either in that age when Jesus came to earth or in the age that will immediately follow. Which last word indicated to us some sin not here forgiven may be forgiven 
in the next age. Some sins are forgiven in this age. Others are forgiven in the next age. Are you following what I'm saying here? That is what the text is actually saying. It's not talking absolutely about an unpardonable sin. The words of Jesus didn't include that. Because all manner of sins are what? Forgivable. Hallelujah. Don't forget that. Mark 3, 28 to 30. Mark 3, 28 to 30. Very, very, say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men. And blasphemy where we so ever, they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost has never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now the correct translation of this passage actually has to do with the word eon, that the word age. Has not for the eon age forgiveness, but is in danger of eon age during by judgment. They have given it quite a different meaning. That is, if you read it from the interlinear literal translation, it talks about age during, not eternity. Age during. That's the day during that age in question. Amen? Is the King James that put it for eternity. But that's not the way it is in the original translation. Praise the Lord. Are we together? Alright. So, it's talking about age. Now, I want to show you something very clearly so that you understand what I'm saying here. Come with me to Matthew chapter 19 verse 17. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Matthew 19, 27. 27, 27, I'm sorry. The Bible says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and follow thee. What shall we have thereafter? What are we going to have? What are we have therefore? What are we going to have? We have followed you. What was the answer Jesus gave? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, they which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, he shall also sit upon the twelve tribes, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that have forsaken houses or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold. And shall inherit everlasting life. What time is that? The time of regeneration. Verse number 19. Is that? Go back to verse 19. I want you to note that. What did he say? Everyone that forsaken houses. I mean, I need to go back. To, sorry. Did I say 19? No, go back to verse uh, 28. Let's take 28 again. Jesus said unto them, Very I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, in the regeneration, that's what I want you to pick. My Bible I really underlined that. In the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, you shall sit upon what? 
the twelve tribe, judging the twelve tribe of Israel, sitting twelve thrones. What time are they going to see there? In the regeneration. So what time is the regeneration? Go with me to Titus chapter 1. Chapter 3 rather. The book of Titus. Chapter 3. Hallelujah. Titus 3 verse 3. For we also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse laws and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Say sometimes a word. That means we can't do that now. But after that, verse 4, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By what? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Is it making sense? So, in the regeneration, what is it supposed to mean? The new age that is coming. Now you are following me. This is what's going to happen. When I give up the ghost, the Holy Ghost comes down. You're going to sit on throne, judging the twelve tribe of Israel. Are you still with me? Now, we always look at judging like people who sit on a throne, like judges and the high courts. No. How many of you remember that Samson was a judge? Gideon was a judge? Deborah was a judge? Did you see anywhere they were sitting down and wearing robes, whatever? Samuel was a judge and a prophet. And you go around the cities. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? To be a judge is one that reveals the mind of God to his people. So by the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, which is now the time of regeneration, they were the twelve disciples that were ministering to the twelve tribes of Israel. Bringing forth the word of God, the remnant of God, the intents of God. They were judges. Even until this moment that we are talking, we know that people like Peter, James, and John, they are all judges. And they are even judging the new Jerusalem or the new Israel. Because anytime we want to make reference to the Bible and quote whatever thing they say, according to Peter, according to James, you are just making reference to the judge that put down laws and rules by which he was ruling the people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, I want you to understand this fact. That when we talk about blasphemy in this age and the age to come, you should be able to understand the difference. The age is just talking about the age of the law and the age of the Holy Spirit, which is the word of grace. But like I was sharing with my wife, you see, there's a greater age that is coming. Presently, we are what we call the age of the church, the age of grace, the age of the church. But there's coming forth an age which is going to be called the age of the sons of God. Going beyond to when the fullness of the kingdom 
shall be turned over unto who? Unto God. Then God shall be all in all. There's a greater dimension that is coming forward. Just like God raised the disciples to be judges in that age of regeneration, God is preparing a people that is going to raise again to another age that is forthcoming. Let's close tonight by reading Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 6 to 7. Let me just look at that. Ephesians 2. Okay. Take it from verse 1 and 2 and I will go to verse 5 and read through so that we can have a clear understanding. Verse 1 and 2. And ye had a quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ye had a quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And the next verse says, Where in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh where? In the children of disobedience. You were once in this camp, but you were quickened. Life has come into you. Hallelujah. I go to verse 5. Verse 5 says, Even when we were dead in sins, now I need to get to to understand this. People don't understand what it means to be dead in Christ and to be dead in sin. And a lot of questions be coming to me. Oh, Pastor, so what have you got to say about those who are dead in Christ? So the expectation is those who are in the cemetery. But nobody's in the cemetery. I'm sure you know that. Nobody's in the cemetery. Because Jesus said that when the scribes who not believe in resurrection came to him and began to question him. Oh, there's a woman that married five brethren and none of them had a child. At the time of resurrection, whose wife will she be? What did Jesus say? You err not knowing the scriptures and the power of God. For God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. Haven't you read in the book when he told Moses, I'm a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God is not the God of the dead. Isaac and Jacob, they are not in the cemetery. Are you listening to me? Your mama is not in the cemetery. Your papa is not in the cemetery. They are all out in the spirit world. You need to understand this. So if you go to the cemetery to go and cry, <laughs> you will see your time. You are crying on top tombs. Nobody is there. You dig it out, you are going to find bones. For when a man dies, the spirit goes back to God who gave it. Exodus 12 verse number 7. And Philippians 1, 23, Paul said, I'm in a big fix. I don't know what to do. I either to remain or to depart and be with Christ. There was no middle ground. To be dead in Christ means Christ's spirit is controlling your life. To be dead in sin means sin is controlling your life. And so, when we were dead in sins, that means sin was ruling us. Have quickened us together with Christ by grace your word. You are saved. Are you listening to me? What's the next thing you see there? And the Bible says, And I raised us up together. I made us sit together in Christ. I mean, in heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. So what's the next thing that follows? That. Now I want you to see that. When you see so. And. That. They are conjunctions. Leading to a continuation of the same thing. He's giving you the reasons now. You are risen, you are sitting in heavenly places so that, what is it that? In the ages to come, not just one age, 
We don't know how many ages there is. Did you get the point now? So that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. He's not showing to us. Listen closely. He will show through us by implication as we receive mercy to become sons and sitting together with him. We are not qualified to extend mercy to other people to draw them to God. Through us, we manifest his grace to draw men unto God. So, we are in a preparation class right now. So that in the ages to come, he might show through us his wondrous work, his kindness, his mercy, his love. Praise the living God. That through us, men will begin to come back to God. That's why we have the ministry of reconciliation. Praise the Lord. This is what God is doing. This is just what God is doing. So, it talks about the ages to come. What age is that? I don't know. How many ages are left? I don't know. <laughs> but if you blaspheme against the Holy Ghost in this age, He was talking to them, right? Yes. You shall not be forgiven. And the age to come. What age was that? The age of grace. Now, how many ages are remaining? I have no idea. But I know there's an age for the sons of God that Christian is waiting for. There's an age where God himself will become all in all. The full expression to everybody. That has gone beyond. The Bible says, all things are brought under feet and unto you will be submitted that even God himself we gave him the power. Remember that? The book of First Corinthians chapter 15. So that Christ will submit the kingdom unto the Father so that God will be all in all. By the way, let me ask you this question. If there was no fall, would it have been Jesus? And the Bible called Jesus a mediator. Am I right? What does a mediator do? He settled disputes. Between two people quarreling. Am I right? Very good. So now, if you have been reconciled fully to God, where then is the road of the mediator anymore? Because it's going to be God and Adam. God and you. That's why he said God will be all in all. Full expression through everybody. So just like you're expressing yourself by way of the Holy Spirit, even so shall God express himself through you. That's an age that is coming. That God will be. That is where you have actually what you call the fullness of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. We can say we are even in the kingdom of Christ right now. The kingdom of his dear son. According to Ephesians 1, 12, 13. We are in the kingdom of his dear son. But there is a full manifestation of God's kingdom. There is an age that is here to come. So friends, we have ages to come. That God is doing what he is doing now. And I am going to show you next week. And when we begin to see the sun manifest, it is you that actually going to forgive the sins of the people. It's no longer God. <laughs> you remember what he told them in the book of John? Whosoever sees you remit, is remitted. Whosoever sees you forgive, is forgiven. That is actually pointing to what sons of God are going to do. And that has to do with the preaching of the gospel, the message coming out of your mouth. And when people begin to receive light from you, they will repent and come to God. All sins shall be forgiven. And it's going to be through you at the end of the day. Thank you. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.